Welcome to the Petro Plaza podcast, where we talk to industry leaders about the hottest topics around fuels, convenience, and car wash, where we look at the service station of today and tomorrow. Um, today with me, I have Sabine Benoit. She's a professor at Soro University and an expert in convenience and retail. Hello, Sabine. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, we've spoken before and um, you know, you, you've had a really good presentation based on your latest report. And you've been looking at autonomous stores for a while now. And you know, I wanted to start this uh, podcast, but maybe you could tell us you know, what types of stores you see uh, based on some of those dimensions that you were, um, that you were looking at, at your, through your presentation. Uh, so indeed, I've, I've started looking into this in 2019 and I had this Excel spreadsheet where I looked at the different formats around the world and it was kind of 20 odd different formats. And uh, I have to admit I stopped uh, keeping this Excel spreadsheet up to date because there's almost a new format popping up every week. So it's it has really seen a tremendous growth in the last four years. Um, the stores that, that I see um, at the moment um, most prevalently, I would say, is that many retailers start within their own sort of social circle. So let's say um, at the headquarter with the employees, so in typical community settings. Um, but then after the first couple of trials, so, so they venture out. So for example, Amazon started at their headquarter, Tegut started at the headquarter, Lekaland as well. So it, 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 that's, that's usually how companies start, but that's not where they want to go, of course. It's for operational reasons to trial it. Um, and uh, the other thing that, that I see very often out there is that um, at the moment, the standalone locations work best. So that will be very rural areas where um, the next convenience store, the next possibility to shop is just very, usually very far away. And, um, and that reduces the barrier of having to check into most of autonomous stores because they usually only let you in to enter the store if you've downloaded an app or scanned your credit card and, and so forth. And if a store like this is right next to a store where you can just walk in, um, the store that you can just walk in is only always going to win because of that, that barrier. But if the reference point is that you have to drive to the next village and it's 15 kilometers away, then suddenly this barrier of having to check into a store uh, it becomes much, much less of a barrier. Based on some of those um, dimensions, you said, and I think you mentioned there through the, the rural aspect of it, what are some of the other preferences that you've seen for customers to um, you know, willingly and maybe prefer to go to one of these stores versus a, a man store? So interestingly, we didn't find any differences in preference for uh, checkouts. And that means that, um, and we looked at different options. So we looked at self-checkout terminals. We looked at uh, using your own device as a customer. So, so um, self-scanning with, with a mobile uh, phone or fully automated with uh, videos capturing the basket. So here we didn't find any difference. Um, and that means uh, retailers have the leeway to decide for these different technology options without compromising customer preferences. And these technology options are vastly different in terms of cost. So 
automated basket uh, capturing via cameras and and scales on the shelves and all that is massively expensive. Um, an app on customer's own device is much, much more economical, for example, uh, or self-checkout terminals. And and so that's that was one of the th findings that I found quite surprising. And we even put the staff checkout in that set and didn't find any differences for these four different options. So there we really, um, uh, you could say they're all equally bad or they're all equally good. <laughs> so from, from the consumer preference perspective. Um, one thing that we really found hurts retailers is um, is the whole idea of verification. So um, what Amazon Go did or Amazon Fresh did at the beginning was that you would get your receipt of what they've captured in your basket sometimes hours later, five, six hours later when you were already at home, had already, you know, the, the shopping experience is far, far away sort of mentally and only then could you check what they have recorded as you having put in the basket. And that really hurts um, uh, retailers because consumers want to see what what the retailer has recorded and, and what are they going to pay. So here the convenience aspect of this just walkout technology um, is, is uh, um, uh, comes with the costs of consumers not being sure of whether this is all correct. So it's much better to to give the receipt upon exit of the store, or even better, what we sometimes see now. There's a, a concept in France and, and, and others. We we just heard from from Yuxta um, that, um, and uh, I think um, uh, some of the other concepts do that as well, where they create. Um, sort of avatar of, of the person that walks into the store, captures the basket via video, and then you go to a checkout terminal, you can see all the different products that they have automatically captured, can basically dispute, no, I haven't gotten two pints of milk, but, but only one, and, um, and then you pay. So, and, and that reduces this barrier of, of consumers just fearing that stuff is put in their basket that they haven't really chosen. When we look at all these different formats and we've done through your research and also by speaking to different retailers, you know, when it comes applied to the fueling sector, what formats do you think have the most potential to bring in? So um, usually in forecourt situations we have standalone concepts and that's, that, that's a good thing because then we don't have this issue that we talked about earlier where consumers would perceive this as a barrier to get into the store. So one, one thing that I think has, has a lot of potential are these stores where you have a back office with robotics, you have a screen, you choose something on, on the screen and then it, it gets delivered through some kind of uh, slot. So um, because in these standalone locations, theft, and uh, and is a is a big issue and uh, vandalism and and so forth and these are all big investments so retailers are worried that their big investments are not uh, um, or you know are vandalized or people would steal things so that's a good option for for, for that um, if it's a little bit more sort of lively you could have these uh, walk-in stores where you have products freely available but that's then sort of more when it becomes a village shop because what we've seen in research is that um, if it becomes the shop of the village 
when there's a forecourt near or not, then the village really uh, identifies with that shop. These are the two options that I would think are at the moment really good options. So I think uh, now we can bring in uh, Mehmet uh, Turske. He's the director of Smart Store Development for Lekaland. Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting at the, at the last Unity Expo. And um, I believe that actually um, you guys do some, some work together. So um, maybe you can tell us how you've worked with um, Sabine in the past and also what have been your biggest takeaways from her presentation today? Thank you for the opportunity. So it's a pleasure to be part of this uh, discussion. So uh, as a matter of fact, we, worked, we work uh, very closely with Sabine Benoit and we use a lot of our, a lot the outcomes of her uh, market research studies so i was very happy to discover the new edition uh, today and and very very strangely i would say although we didn't speak in detail about uh, some of these topics we have discovered that we reach very similar very similar points in our approach so for example uh, there, there, there have been a lot of discussions about unmanned Mend, how should we make it? And uh, we, we have seen on our side as Lekaland that the hybrid approach will be part of the ecosystem. And this is uh, what uh, Sabine was, was, explaining, was explaining today. So we use a lot what's uh, the outcomes of these studies. If I can add to this, so I think one of the main points that I've always made when starting this research is that I see practitioners thinking in black and white categories. So they're either thinking of unmanned stores, no people, or completely staffed stores. If you think of it from a consumer experience and consumer journey perspective, I can have an unmanned consumer journey in a big Walmart because I'm going in, I'm taking my shopping, I'm doing self-checkout, I haven't talked to anybody. So I think we really need to see this, this as a sort of gradual shift towards more autonomous customer journeys. And the autonomous store is at the end of that, or unstaffed store is at the end of that spectrum. But um, And therefore hybrid, um, I've seen concepts where they are unstaffed overnight because that's just not viable to keep it open. I've seen concept where there's only part of the store that is, uh, that is unstaffed and, uh, uh, or you know, a combination, only part of the store, only overnight. So there's all sorts of combinations that are really exciting opportunities for retailers to, to go into. Um, so that's, that's the hybrid approach that I think has, has big opportunities. Yeah, because we were talking before how um, you know hybrid is a very interesting way to adapt um, to the issue of labor and uh, the issue of space and cost. And um, and Mehmet, I know that you had some very interesting thoughts about this. And when when we put this hybrid approach in the context of gas stations, we see that there is a big opportunity. So all of the gas stations, or most of them at least, they have already an existing shop, and they can optimize some some space to make it hybrid, which will allow them also to close the shop at 6, 7, 8 p.m. to use the existing stuff to fill in the smart fridges, the smart vendings, to make, in order to make the shop 24-7 with less labor cost and the opportunity to give the freedom to customers to shop 24-7. Currently, it feels like um, it's a little bit the wild, wild west of uh, of smart stores, right? It's a very new development, um, 
And another the company like Leckerland, you know, instead of playing the waiting game, you've decided to to step ahead and try all these new formats. At Unity Expo, we saw your your smart box. Um, so, Mehmet, what can you tell us from like you know the experience that you've had um, over this last year and a half, and some of the pilots that you're actually having on the scene, and you know what what made Leckerland you know want to be at the you know, the forefront of of this revolution, we could call it. Our main assumption when we started this business was that the one-size-fits-all approach doesn't fit into our needs. And this is, this is confirmed, we see it. We need different formats for different channels and locations. And uh, Sabine was just mentioning uh, one topic, for example, this automat. We have already one automat which is live at the e e ANBV EV charging in Bispingen. We will go live with the next one at the end of this, this month. And when the theft risk is high, when the location is very quiet, we see that this is one of the possible formats. But when, you go, when we go to other locations where people would like to buy also more articles in their purchases, then we tend to suggest shops like AI shops, for example. Or when we go to semi-public, then we say we have smart fridges or we have self-checkout concepts. So one assumption which is, which is really confirmed is that we need different different formats. The second topic we mentioned when we started was that we develop several concepts, but we, we know that we will not roll out all of them. We will use it, we are using it for our learnings. A good example are the smart vendings. So until now we didn't go live with any smart vending concept, but we use smart vending in combination with other technologies to sell categories like alcohol and, and tobacco. And this will also prevail. Um, Sabine, when you uh, you study this from an academic point of view, but then you also have um, experience uh, with players such as Lekaland, uh, you know what's the value of, of companies like Lekaland that, that are willing to try um, all you know these kind of concepts? I think what we've seen in the past with all technologies, and there's I don't know of any exception, um, is that they get very much cheaper over time. If companies start during a time where the technology is not economical yet, they learn. And that's completely fine. And you know, you hear the, you, you hear the argument, oh, this will never become uh, viable because it's way too expensive. That might be the case now, but if the development is exactly the same, that it becomes very much cheaper, the, the camera technology, the, the cloud uh, computing and all this, then, then at the time where it's economical, these companies have already three, four years of learning uh, behind them, whereas others might then start the learning journey. I think it's, it's a similar thing to us we see with, the, with EV charging and uh, some of the biggest players at the market. The profit might not be there yet, but the learning experience will definitely be there compared to, to other players. So I'll ask, um, you know, I'll ask both of you, you know, what, what can we expect going into the future? Like, what, what are the biggest challenges that, that you see? And also, you know, the biggest opportunities that you see going forward when it comes to smart shopping. I think the, uh, in the current context, we can, we can start by mentioning the lack, the lack of manpower, which will uh, accelerate the expansion of smart stores. Of course, the question is which smart stores, which technology, this, we, we will discover it on the way. But the demand for this format will increase in the coming, coming months, coming years. I, I, I agree to this. Um, I think the biggest challenge for retailers is 
to decide which technology. And, um, and it, at the moment, there are so many different options. I know that these are very big investments for retail companies, but um, I have no doubt that this will be coming. The question is which of the um, which of the different technologies will become standard or standards? There will there will be different options out there that that will become standard. So there's not just one, but that's the big elephant in the room in my view. Um, that everybody's still slightly waiting on what what is the most accepted version. And my research, I'm trying to help with this in asking consumers uh, in a very sort of rigorous way what what is the preferred combination of these different business model dimensions. As Lekalan we started, uh, I think we have been the, the first mover in, in smart stores to, to test so many different technologies. And our goal is to be able to answer this question by December 2024. We would like to be in the position to say, okay, this concept A, B, C are the, the ones we will roll out. Well, thank you very much uh, to both for being, joining the Petroplus podcast. It's been uh, great to have you. And um, you know, it's always interesting to follow um, people who are leading the way academically and uh, in the industry. Thank you to both. In this podcast about autonomous stores and smart shopping, um, now we're speaking to Jake Patton, Head of Sales for North America for Yuxta. There's so much conversation around um, actually what you guys are involved in. You know, Maybe you can first give us a little brief introduction to Yuxta as is such a new concept. Sure. Thanks, Oscar, and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, for those that don't know, Yuxta is a corporate startup underneath Vontier. Uh, which is Gilbarco Viterut's parent company. And yeah, essentially we built out a fully autonomous micro retail uh, convenience store. So small format, 264 square feet, uh, but a fully autonomous checkout experience where the customer can scan their card to enter, they can shop, um, and they can just walk out. So it's uh, designed to be a beautifully simple shopping experience. Um, part of your presentation uh, yesterday was actually talking about, uh, you know, why is this a, a good concept for today's reality? One of the big issues that we see really globally, but I think in the U.S. it's, it's one of the strongest cases, is um, a huge challenge around labor for for CISO retailers. How do these concepts, you know, ta help tackle that challenge? Yeah, it's a good question, and really the the topic of labor labor has been something that we've been discussing for a couple of years now, but. With our format, really the idea was honestly to remove as much of that labor burden as possible, um, and hence, you know, why we made the technology autonomous. But, you know, as we were getting feedback to start the Juxta uh, brand and start the offering, one of the biggest pain points was around labor. So essentially, for us, I mean, once you set the store and once you set the planogram and get everything up and running. We really expect only around 45 minutes to an hour a day, depending on foot traffic, um, of stocking the shelves, sweeping the floor, and just generally checking on the store to make sure it's functional. Um, but really, the idea is to kind of remove as much of that labor burden as possible. So you could have one employee essentially checking on six, seven, eight stores a day, depending on the proximity to um, a bricks and mortar hub. One of the messages that we get from Yoxta is that the convenience paradigm is uh, shifting and, um, you know, we're in, the, we're in this huge transition period. 
you also say that you want to help uh, communities retailers take away from the big grocery retailers. Can you just tell us what you mean about you know this uh, change in paradigm and um, and how you want to push through these new technologies? Yeah, so I, I think the traditional C store format and that shopping experience has really been bound to the car based journey. So essentially, we're kind of trying to decouple that idea and really bring bring convenience closer to where our consumers are today. So not so much on the highways and the major thoroughfares, but thinking more of, of like a more intimate setting, whether that's in a smaller community to help with that midweek uh, top-up shopping experience or the mixed commercial residential um, applications as to where, you know, maybe a brand has been building for several years, um, getting their brand name up and recognition up, and they're really good at serving the customer for the last mile. The idea for these these micro retail stores really is instead of being the last mile delivery, maybe we're the last 500 feet. So this is just a, a spoke uh, from your traditional retail store hub, uh, your bricks and mortar hub, and bringing this convenience even closer to where our consumers are living today. It seems, and I was speaking to Sabine Mehmet about this, it's a little bit like the wild, wild west of smart stores at the minute. Um, you guys have come, you know, uh, at this specific time now to the to the party with this new solution. I was going to ask you, you know, how challenging how challenging is it to know what's the right bet, what's the right format, and you know, what makes you believe that you guys have kind of like you know hit the nail on the head with this one? Yeah, I think that's a great question, and I think the answer is probably a bit different in Europe than it is in the United States where I operate. But, you know, essentially as, as, as we were birthing this idea, we kind of went out to the marketplace. We went to our trusted vendors. We went to customers. Uh, we went to consumers and did just a massive voice of customer study and basically said, what are the, what's, what's a new entry in the market you'd like to see? If it's an autonomous store, what's your feedback on this? What are your customers looking for? Um, as a direct customer to us, what are you looking for as, as a retail partner, as a supplier, um, as someone that is going to maintain the stores? And really, we kind of blended all those answers together to come to what we have today. So obviously, there's a ton of options in the market right now. But for us and kind of what um, the consumer appetite is today, and especially in the U.S., which is really our main uh, go-after target right now, I think it's a great blend of, of what, um, I guess, B2B customers are looking for, but also end consumers of day-to-day -day shopping. Um, this gives them a chance to get products in, in areas that, that may not be available now, but it's not necessarily a vending operation. So there's a little bit more soul to the experience. Uh, there's a little bit more feel, a little bit more attachment to that brand um, that may have their name on the store. So that's kind of what we were going for. Um, and I think so far we've launched about a month ago, the reception has been fantastic.